0: So we're going to talk tonight about how do you change the world, and um, I hope that you'll really enjoy it, and it will be applicable. I encourage you to take notes, and like I said, this will hopefully, we won't have any trouble with the recording, and it will be up online. So um, all of us, I'm going to open in prayer, and we'll get started. Father, we thank you that you are merciful and kind and good, and we thank you that your glory fills the temple, and that's us. And so we ask right now that you would speak to our hearts, and you would equip us, and you would nurture us, and you would love us, and everyone from grace and mercy, all the way, Father, up to the old people like me, we would hear from your Holy Spirit, and we would learn and walk away with what you have for us to walk away with, and our lives would be changed because we've been in your presence. I pray that you would really speak tonight and that our hearts would receive everything that you have from us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So all of us want to make a difference in the world, right? I mean, all of us look around and we see people who need help, we want to see changes in our culture. We want to see abortion overturned. We want to see, um, you know, drug drug use go down and murder go down. And we want to see all these hap- things happen. And we want God to use us. We see that movie, the movie that we all saw by King and Country, Priceless, and we say, "Oh Lord, use me to rescue these women who are in so much bondage." And so. I don't think the problem that we have is that we don't want to change the world. I think we want to. I think the problem is that we don't always know how. Right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. So where do we begin? Well, I think we begin with the first question is why are we here on planet Earth? So that's a big question, but it's actually a pretty simple one. And we're going to go all the way back to Genesis. And uh, we're going to, don't worry, we're not reading all four chapters like we did a few weeks ago. But um, starting in Genesis 1, um, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we're made in the image of God. And what does that mean? If we want to look at ourself, at our own reflection, which is pretty much what to be made in the image of something is to kind of reflect that, we would have to gaze in a mirror at ourself. So to see what it means to be made in the image of God, we would have to gaze on God and look at Him. Are you following me? A little. So we reflect God's image in a complementary way with men. In in the garden, I mean in Genesis one, God just says it plain, He made them male and female in his image. And then in Genesis two it gives us the story of how the woman was made and it makes it very clear she has a complementary role to the man so are you tracking with me now so it's like together we reflect the image of god it's like the church together all of us come together we all reflect the image of god or christ we all reflect christ so um, i want you to understand that because as we talk today there's so much in the bible that just applies to everyone male or female But we are going to talk about some things today that specifically apply to us as women. And straight up, as we get started, I will say that the Bible is patriarchal. Okay? It means that the men are in charge. Now, (laughs) if you feel in your heart you don't like that, I will show you that you do like that. Because if you have a man in your life who doesn't protect you, and doesn't provide for you, and doesn't serve you, and doesn't love you, you don't like it. Is that true? Because innately, we want what we were created for. And I think more than any time in history, although there have been some bad, bad guys, going back to Cain, more than any time in history, we see men abdicating their roles and leaving their children, leaving their wives high and dry. And the women who have to do the work of the man and the woman need to be applauded and helped and cheered on because it is not an easy task to be left to have to do it yourself. And in our culture, when, when we all decide we are all going to be men, then what happens? There is no one to reflect the image of God that women reflect. So no matter where the culture is at and what the culture is doing, then we are going to go to find our source of who we are in Christ who we are as women, we're going to find out in the Word of God. We are not going to look for it in our culture or people who add to the Word of God. Because I believe that God is so loving, and He did not form us to make us miserable. He formed us, it says, and God blessed them. To be blessed means to be made happy. So God makes us happy with the ways that. He calls us to live, and that's why you'll find that non-Christians, when they walk in the ways of the Lord, they live a blessed life, even though they don't know the Lord and they go to hell because they're still sinners, but God's ways are good. So I just, I want to say that up front as we move through this, because most of what I'm going to share, it just applies to every, everyone, but there's some things that I'm going to talk about tonight, and they specifically apply to women. And so you'll see that as we move on, um, we we reflect the image of God as a person, and we reflect the image of God as a woman. And how do we? God set up the world, and then He said to Adam and Eve, "I want you to rule, and I want you to subdue." Now, interestingly, we rule over nature. We subdue nature, all the animals, all the plants, all the rocks, everything. Isn't it interesting that Satan's way is to always get people to abdicate their responsibility? So instead of taking care and subduing nature, what do people do from ancient times? Worship nature, put themselves under nature instead of over nature, and live in fear of it, try to appease it, rather than subduing it. And you will see that from the very beginning. From the very beginning, men worshipped created things rather than the creator. And you can read about that in Romans 1. But I think it's very interesting how Satan will trick us to not do what we were created to do and at the same time bring us into idolatry of, and worshiping what is evil. So nature is not evil, but to worship nature is evil. So, um, What does it mean to subdue the earth, and, um, and what does it mean to walk in the image of God? and if we if sin had never entered the world we would just walk in the image of god and and adam did it in the garden he started naming things he created language and in the very beginning he was making words he was calling animals by name and choosing names for them this is a gullywocket now they don't have that name anymore cuz you know languages have changed but i'm kidding but um, and so here, here is Adam. He's creating language. So in being in the image of God, God's a creator. We we paint, we write, we sing, we create music, we build homes, we build bridges, we build irrigation systems, we engineer things, we find a better way to do something. We travel to space. We fly, we build computers, all of those things are what it means to walk in the image of God. And that is our very basic purpose, was to subdue the earth, to fill the earth, to rule over it. So God made us in the very beginning to have authority, not to be afraid of the earth, but to have authority over it. Try to remember that next time you see a spider (laughs) or a lizard gets on your wall. (laughs) I'm telling that to myself. When I said, honey, if you don't get that lizard off the wall, we're going to have to buy a new house. (laughs) I'm out of here. I don't mind him outside, but I don't want him inside. So um, when we... Yes, true. So this is not your home your home is out there. So sin comes in and sin changes everything, right? So sin comes in and then we know from Genesis 3, we know from Psalm 51, we know from the whole book of Romans, we know from the whole Bible that we are now conceived in sin. And we have this marred image of God And so no longer are we a strong leader, but we're bossy. No longer do we have a gentle spirit, but we become timid or passive. Do you see what I'm saying? So we're marred in reflecting now this image. We still do reflect the image of God. All people do. Sometimes people say to me, well, how can someone be so good and I say well because they're made in the image of God but they're still broken and still conceived in sin and the sin has to be taken care of so God's and we talked about this when we talked about daughters of Eve and even as God is cursing Eve do you remember what he does in the middle of cursing her what does he do he gives her the promise and he says through her seed, your seed, Jesus will come. He will bruise the serpent. And so here we have this promise all through the Old Testament. All of the Old Testament looks to Jesus. All of the New Testament is about him, his life, his ministry through the apostles. And so now we're rescued from sin. And I'm not going to talk about that. Because Pastor Mike is doing a great job going through Romans because we've been talking so much about the gospel and you understand. We're bought with a price. And so we're rescued and we come into this relationship with Christ and we're dead to sin and alive to God. And we're changed and we're not the same. And um, (laughs) I (laughs) people laugh at me, but I always do this. I'll pray with someone to receive Christ and then I'll say, you <laughs> Do you feel different inside? Do you feel different? Cuz you should feel different, you know, because we're changed forever when we accept Christ and he changes us from the inside out. And so no longer is this sin problem there. Now, I'm not going to talk about crucifying the flesh and all that because Mike is doing such a good job talking about it. I'm not really I'm going to assume that you guys are all counting yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ, okay? So we're just going to assume that as we move forward. But sin didn't just mar the way we reflect God's image, but it broke our fellowship with God. And so when Jesus took our sins and died for us, and when we accept Him, we're restored into this new fellowship. So One of the first things as Christians is we're set up to reflect the image of God. And we're set up to subdue the earth. And so often, you know, we forget that such little basic things. So you know, your kids look at you and they say, why do I need to learn calculus? Why do you need to learn calculus? Why?" because you are called to subdue the earth. How are you going to build a skyscraper if you don't know calculus? How are you going to split atoms if you don't know calculus? And so, all of a sudden, things start making sense of why we pursue education, of why we do all the different things we do and learn all the different things we, we learn, because now we are set free for that very original purpose to subdue the earth so that's part of how we change the world it's just by walking in the very very beginning of what god said to subdue the earth and if we subdue the earth and here we are with our changed um, our changed hearts, our changed spirits, we're new, we're full of love, we're full of the fruit of the Spirit, and we're out there subduing the earth, we are not going to be doing things the wrong way. We're not going to be aborting babies. We're not going to be experimenting with fetal tissues. We're not going to be filming or painting pornography. We are going to be reflecting the image of God in a true way, and we're going to be subduing the earth. So that is where we start to change the world. It's just going back to that now that I am free, I reflect the image of God, or I reflect God. You know, God can be seen in me. He's creative, and I'm creative. And he had morning stars sing, sing together, so I'm musical. And maybe you're more on the joyful noise part and less on the you know, skillful sound part. But it doesn't matter because you're created in the image of God. You reflect Him. And now that we're rescued, now that we're set free, we reflect Him. It's so important when you're teaching your children to love school to understand that. Because we were created to subdue the earth. And I think kids need to hear that over and over again to understand there's, that humankind has this purpose to subdue the earth. And we aren't afraid of a hurricane, and we aren't afraid of a tornado. Instead, we subdue nature in the authority and with the knowledge that God gives us. Does that make sense? Okay okay good we are tracking so operation rescue for more about operation rescue or the gospel see all four gospels and the entire new testament and you can read that all on your own so um, jesus is the exact representation not the image that we are so when jesus came jesus said if you saw me you've seen the father Now we say, if you see me, wait, (laughs) let me just wipe off this smudge here. If you see me, then you're seeing a reflection of the father. But Jesus was the exact one. And so he made a way to be right with the father. But also when we come to know Jesus, we're back to that place of walking in the garden So we're restored to that original fellowship. And we will be completely restored to that when there's the new heaven and the new earth. Because in this place that we are, I mean, we're bombarded. How many of you felt bombarded today by something from the world or sin or the devil? Because that's where we live, right? So we look forward to that day when in a perfect way, we walk with God in the garden. Okay, Mark 12. So is there more because of Jesus, because we're not just part of humankind now, we're part of his church, we're part of his kingdom. So is there more that God, for ha- God has for us to understand in changing the world, in our mission, in our purpose? So, um, Mark. Chapter 12, starting in verse 28. When it, Mark 12, starting in 28, one of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, "What commandment is the greatest is, is the um, foremost of all?" Jesus answered, "The foremost is, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God." and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, "Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one, and that there is no one else besides him, beside him. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself, is much more than burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. So. Are the sacrifices important? God instituted them, so they were important. But even greater, from the very beginning in the garden, you see God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, that God calls us to relationship. And God made us relational. And our primary purpose beyond just reflecting the image of God and subduing the earth is relationships. Our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. I always say to people, lives are changed in the context of relationships because nothing exposes who you are more than relationships. Nothing gives you strength or tears you down more than relationships. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? So here God is calling us to this relationship. And relationships don't happen overnight. They take time. They take effort. And some intimacy in a relationship is just a matter of time. It's just a matter of that long run. And with human relationships, we have two flawed people. But with our relationship with God, we only have one flawed, and he is perfect. And so we have a relationship with someone who loves us perfectly. And so how do we love God with everything that we are? And, you know, we kind of have such a disservice to us. I love romantic comedies. I love romance. But, you know, we see a romantic movie, and this is how we define love. So someone walks into the room, and violins begin to play. And my heart is mesmerized. And I begin to flutter. And I feel like I'm going to throw up. (laughs) And... Suddenly, I know this is love. <laughs> and isn't that what we get in our culture? How many of you, you know, you think, well, one day I'm going to feel nauseated and I'm going to know this is the one? No. <laughs> so that we, we have this kind of idea of, r- we've idealized romantic love. And the communists are so funny because in a communist country, The really hardcore ones. One of the first things they'll do is they'll get rid of all the songs about love, and because they want everyone to worship the leader, all the songs will be about the leader and about the country. But they don't allow any songs about love because that's very distracting, and it's it's very. And if you listen. When I got saved, I remember <laughs> I, I love music. So I knew the words to every song. And, you know, I'd be walking to school, Billy, don't be a hero. Don't be a fool. Do you remember that? So, and I'm just singing all these songs knock three times on the ceiling. And I'm singing all these songs. You know, that's just me. I'm a singer. I sing. And all of a sudden I'd say, Oh, Lord. Songs are ridiculous. They're idolatrous because there is no way <laughs> that anyone can meet all of these needs that these songs talk about. And so I just started changing all the words to them to be about Jesus Jesus, <laughs> you be my too. hero. <laughs> you know, because suddenly I just knew, I thought, God is this. These beautiful love songs. That are for a flawed person, they all go to God because God is all this. This is our faithful God, and um, and so I think so many times, depending on your personality, and I'm going to step on toes now, so get ready. Okay, I'm just warning everybody. So step, step, step. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, <laughs> so we, so. We tend to fall in two camps. We tend to fall in the task. Some of us are task people. So when we come to Christ, everything becomes about doing. So we decide this is what it looks like to love Christ. And we do, 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 do. And then we feel, I've loved God. Now the other camp this is the emotional camp. And I think they may be the worst ones. <laughs> and I'm, I'm in that one. So, and the emotional camp doesn't think that doing stuff matters. So they neglect a lot of stuff. <laughs> but they want to feel a lot of intense feelings. And so when they feel a lot of intense emotion and a lot of intense feeling, then they think, oh, I'm loving God. You know what? So what do women say? Michael, Michael teased me about this. How was the women's Bible study? Well, everybody cried. So the Holy Spirit was there. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Holy Spirit very well may have been there and made us all cry, but he may not have been. It may <laughs> have been us being emotional. But But do you see what I'm saying? We kind of fall in those two camps. Maybe you're a little of both, but do you guys understand what I'm talking about? And so we can kind of begin to define our love for God. And I'm not even going to go into love for God right now in an in-depth way because there's so many different things. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. You know, Jesus said that where I'm going to prepare a place for you. And so I think that kind of signifies that if you love him, You're going to want to be with him where he is. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's what we invest in, what we invest our time, our treasure, all of those things. But I think, in the end, our relationship with Jesus Christ is a relationship. It's something that takes time to nurture and grow and develop. And what's so complicated about our relationship is it's not like being an only child. It's like joining this big, huge family with all these brothers and sisters who are learning to have a relationship with God too. And so there's all this laughter and these tears and these heartaches and these emotional moments and these you know, hurting one another and forgiving one another and helping one another. And, and this is all part of our relationship with God. And and so I just, I don't want to make it sound overly simple, but I think, you know, how can I say this? I'm not what, and tell me if you are not like me. I'm not someone who sits around and thinks, do my friends like me? I just assume they do. And <laughs> I'm always very shocked when someone does not <laughs> Which is kind of funny, but just being <laughs> honest. So, you know, I'm always kind of surprised. Like, oh, wow, they don't like me. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> you know, let's move on. But... um I don't really, I'm not, I'm not an examiner. I'm not someone who just like says, oh, you know, I need a friend. I've never, I've never been like that. I, I've gone through times where I was lonely. When I was in Arizona, I didn't have any friends. And um, I was very, I felt very lonely. And then the Lord had the shyest person in the state of Arizona <laughs> walk up to me, and she'd never done this before or since, and say, hi, I'm Claudia, would you like to come over for dinner? And she told me later, she argued with God for 45 minutes before she did it, and she was my only friend in Arizona. So I've been with a lot of friends, I've been through times where I was lonely, but relationships don't work well when you examine them under a microscope all the time. They work well when you love the other person. And it kind of goes back to what Jesus said. When you love someone, you're not usually thinking about, do they love me? You're just thinking, how can I love them? And, and I think if we really want to love Jesus, we just start thinking about him and what he likes and what he wants and what would bless him. And as we do that, you know, we come to the word and we just say, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know what you like. I want to know your ways. I want to know what you said. I want to know what you did when you were a human being on earth. I want to know how people's lives were changed when they knew you. I want to know how people's lives were changed when they prophesied about you and they didn't even really know what they were prophesying about but surely the Spirit of Christ had to be there and there's this intimacy in our relationship with Jesus that just comes with time and it comes with day after day after day after day spending time with him and loving him and thinking about him and having him be the first one that you text. Right? So, um, and then we text everyone else, but you know what I'm saying. The first one that we go to. Um, changing the world starts with who we are and who we love. And I'm going to go on, I'm going to talk about the Great Commission, but I want to really emphasize this. Changing the world is about duplicating ourselves and we duplicate ourselves when we change the world, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I want to tell you a story about Sarah. <laughs> One day, Sarah you sarah used to come over to my house and um, she loved to make shepherd's pie and barbecue chicken. Those were her two, her two meals that she loved to make. We'd have barbecue chicken and tater tots. She'd come over and she'd cook once a week and she hung out with us all the time. And I miss that because now you're married and stuff with kids, it's like, But she did that, she hung out with us, and one night, (laughs) she burned the dinner rather badly, and um, she said, oh, I'm just like you. (laughs) 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 And, (laughs) because I'll put dinner in, and I cannot even remember that I'm cooking dinner, and I'm off going somewhere, and I cannot tell you how many pans I've burned to a crisp, boiling on high, because I'm distracted. And so, (laughs) So that is, you know, that's just not too bad to burn dinner, but it could be worse, right? So, um, so (laughs) who, right, there are so many stories. I should be a sitcom. I should, I should be a sitcom. But, um, the, um, I, I want you to think about this when you're thinking about wanting to change the world and this was the best example that I could come up with it is on Father's Day because none of us are men none of us are fathers on Father's Day when you're making plans for your husband or your father or maybe your son-in-law or your son whoever you're making plans for do you stop and think about what would make you happy or do you think about what would be a blessing to them we need to live our life as if it's Heavenly Father's Day, and that we are planning things and doing things and preparing things for Him, because it will help us. I I I just felt like that illustration would really help us to kind of get a sense of what it means to love God and want to bless Him. Um OK. so um, <laughs> I have this as an example too. We want to get to know God because He's so awesome. And I have friends and children who stalk on Facebook. and they will like we'll hear like a preacher something or like, well, let's find out about him." And they're you know, on their phones, on their laptops, and they find out all about him, and what church you know he used to pastor, and what books he's written, and or you know um, some new singer, and you're you're on there, and you're on Facebook, and you're just finding out, like listening to all her songs or his songs. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? How many of you do that? You go on Facebook and you like find out about someone. So have that same aggressiveness in the Word of God, that same aggressiveness, be searching (laughs) to find out new things for Him. Don't just let others spoon-feed you. It's great to listen to sermons. It is awesome, but you can only feed what God Himself has showed you. Don't regurgitate only what other people have shown you, but let God give you fresh, let God give you fresh, Okay, so now we're going to go to one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, and you probably all know when it is. (laughs) Matthew 28. 28. Okay, so here we go. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to a mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, I'm in verse 17, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I commanded You. you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I love this because it starts out with worship. It starts out where they're worshiping him. He's about to go back to the Father and they come and they worship him. They're probably singing to him. They're probably kneeling down before him. And he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I went to the cross. I rose from the dead. I have all authority. There is nothing outside of my realm of authority. And after he gives the command, he says, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. You're in a brand new state. I'm with you. Your husband's traveling. I'm with you. You're making adjustments and missing people in your family. I'm with you your husband's on call every third day, I'm with you. You're working a job and everything's chaotic at work or you're going to school, I'm with you. And where you are in your season, in your life, in your place, not only am I with you, but I have a call on your life to share the gospel, to make disciples, transform the world around you but remember we can only teach what we know by saying we can only teach what we know I mean this we can only teach what we live I can't teach you how to live on a schedule if I don't live on a schedule amen I can't teach you to live on a budget if I don't live on a budget. I can't teach you to have a quiet time if I don't have a quiet time. I can't teach you to study the word if I don't study the word. So we can only teach what we live. And a lot of times, when we don't teach what we live, we try to teach, you know, hey, Marla, hmm, this is not what I do. (laughs) but this is what I think you should do. It would really benefit you." That is why we have so much bad fruit right now in the church, because we're trying to teach what we're not. And I I hope you understand, if you want to change the world, if you want to make disciples, the most important thing is who you are. That doesn't mean to wait till you have it all together. It just means to be pursuing God and to be teaching from who you are. And I always found this, and, and I, I would stake my life on this, that it's true. If you are pursuing God with all of your heart and you're loving him, he will fill you with love for people. You will never have to muster up love for people. And I wouldn't waste my time, honestly. I would just keep pressing into God, pressing into God, pressing into God, pressing into God, and let Him fill you with the love for people, because He will. He will give you that love. And I always use frustration with people as a warning to me that, okay, I need to pull away, I need to get with God, I need Him to fill my heart up. So. Um, Okay, so to make disciples means to go, to baptize, and to teach. So we go, meaning that we're aggressive and we're proactive. So we don't just sit and wait for people to come into the church building or into our living room and say, hey, how can I become a Christian? which actually my my sophomore year of college my friend and I had prayed so much over the summer and we like that's the year we had the prayer po- answered prayer posters and we actually did have several people walk into our room and say hey I know you guys are different how can I be like you and we got to just like share the gospel like that all the time <laughs> it was it was pretty awesome so when you become very bold and you have a reputation of sharing the gospel people will come to you But that's not what we wait for. We're aggressive and we're trying to turn conversations. We're trying to extend love, extend compassion, extend kindness, so we're proactive. And then secondly, we baptize, meaning we lead someone to a saving knowledge of Christ. And in other words, we help someone give their heart to Christ, surrender their life to Jesus. Sometimes, I believe that a lot of it takes a lot of conversations for the the normal american person to become a christian. So if you ever have a conversation with someone and you say, "Hey, do you want to give your heart to Christ right now?" and they say no, don't be discouraged because you may be number 23 and number 24 is it. You know, it I every time I talk to people about their testimony, they'll tell me all these stories about this person talked to me, and this person talked to me, and this person talked to me, and I remember being at the beach, and the Campus Crusade people would come and talk to me, and I would argue with them, and I, you know, here I was like the president of my youth group, I sang in my choir, but I was like, the Bible isn't true, you know, that was me, and then two years later, I'm born again, so (laughs) praise God for them, right? So don't give up. Don't give up talking to people. And then you teach them. So when someone becomes saved, our goal isn't to say, okay, we've led 30 people to the Lord, but we want to teach them. We want to take them under our wing. We want to nurture them. We want to see them established in the faith and mature. Does that make sense? So that's what it means to make disciples. Okay, I'm going to tell you the same story, but I'm going to tell you from Acts 1. And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit now. So, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to, this is Acts 1, do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days, and speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You have heard of me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this is the same situation. They're on the mountain, they've worshiped him, he's given the Great Commission, and he says, But wait. Stay here and wait for the Holy Spirit. Now, he had already breathed on them and said, "Ah, Receive the Holy Spirit. So they had the Holy Spirit, but they didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. So starting in verse six so when they had come together they were asking him saying lord is it at this time you were restoring the kingdom to israel he said i'm sure he's like guys it is not for you to know the times or (laughs) epochs with the father has fixed by his own authority but you will receive power power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses both in jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So, the Holy Spirit is already producing fruit in them. You know, in the upper room, um, I think we talked about that when we are talking about abiding, that he's washing their feet, and Peter says, oh, wash my whole body. No, you won't wash me. Oh, well, then wash my whole body, you know, and he's not understanding. And Jesus said, you're all clean, but you just need your feet clean, you know, and that's kind of a symbol that they're clean now, that the finished work of Christ is being applied to them. Even as believers, we still confess our sins. We get to receive and enjoy God's forgiveness when we sin, but our sins are paid for. They don't change our standing. Following? So, So they have the Holy Spirit. So when we get saved, we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit helps us to live, to love God, to love people, and he produces fruit in us, and we become more joyful, we become more loving, we become more kind, we become more (laughs) self-controlled, and um, all of these things, because the Holy Spirit's in us, and he helps us to know God, and it says the Holy Spirit helps us to know, I'm a child of God. You know, all of these things the Holy Spirit does, so why is he sending Holy Spirit to them. Again, does anyone know? Anyone know? Isn't it enough what they have? Well, I don't think so. I think he wants to pour out power on us. Dunamis dynamite power, because he's never called us to change the world in our own strength. He never has. And so when the Holy Spirit baptizes us, see, I I got saved during the charismatic movement. I was at a Nazarene church. They believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but not in tongues. So. I get baptized in the Holy Spirit there. The next morning I wake up in my quiet time, I start speaking in tongues. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, they're going to reject me. They don't believe in tongues. What am I going to do? But the Holy Spirit baptizes us so that we can prophesy, so that we can pray in our prayer language, so that we can have revelations, so that we can have words of wisdom, so that we can have an anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so the baptism is not for us. The baptism is not for us. The baptism is for others. The Holy Spirit indwells us, producing fruit in our life, telling us we're sons of God, helping us to understand the word, counseling us, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for ministry only. Does that make sense? So anyway, I'm saved in the 70s, and it's the big charismatic movement, and everyone's like, ooh, 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 I need a word, I need a healing. I'm, you know, it's very, very, It became very, very self-focused. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to win souls. Yep. The baptism is to win souls to confirm the gospel. So I'm going to just very briefly touch on four kinds of giftings from the Holy Spirit first, and I'm, I'm just going to run through these ladies. This is like one teaching on each one. The first one is the gift men. Those are the elders in a church. And they would be pastors, teachers, apostles, evangelists. Now you're going to hear prophets. They're prophets. You're also going to see that we're going to talk about ministry gifts. You're going to see those words again. Okay. But these are elders. Just think of them as leadership, leadership in a church, the elders so god actually gives them as a gift then the other kind of gift is our motivational gift and when we're baptized in the holy spirit he gives us a motivational gift now the motivational gift seems to be a permanent thing it's almost like a bent in how you minister, and you can look at those in Romans 12. So you might have a teacher motivational gift. You might not be a teacher. You might be a teacher. It's not It's not related to your natural abilities. All leaders are called to be able to teach. Not all people who teach in the church have a teaching gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? So if Marla's gift is teaching... She's going to want to make sure everyone understands the word. And if you misuse the word, she's going to shoot you because she carries a gun. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, prophet, the, motive, the person who's motivated by the prophet calling is going to be very concerned about the glory of God. Very concerned about the glory of God. They are, they are going to be very concerned that we honor Christ and lift him up. And there's no funny business going on and that's going to be the profit motivation the exhorter if you come and talk to them they won't hug and smooch you they'll give you a list of 10 things that you need to do to fix the problem because they are coaches go 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 get out there on the field run 10 laps that's the exhorter and they have great advice the mercy person is going to hug you and kiss you and tell you everything's okay. The person who's motivated by giving is going to find a way to meet your needs, and the person who's motiv- motivated by serving is going to try to serve you, to do things for you. So as I'm sharing those things, you're probably saying, oh, that's me right there. I kind of fit into this place right here. And you're going to find, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you will kind of move in that motivation, all right? Now, next gift, manifestation gifts, and that's 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, manifestation gifts are this. Any person, any time, any place, usually during worship. So we're all worshiping, not always during worship. It might be during prayer time. Um, But God is a God of order. I doubt someone's going to receive a tongue in the middle of the sermon. That's just not how God moves. You know what I'm saying? Unless the pastor's like really off or something. So Laura, who never has prophesied before, gets a prophetic word. And she goes and she gives it to to a person or she may say it to the whole room. That's a manifestation gift. Any person, any time, doesn't matter. There's no, it's not like, oh, you know, that's not my gift. No, these are healing. All of a sudden, have you ever heard me say, does anyone have faith right now to pray for healing? That's a healing gift. And there's a gift of faith. So sometimes you're there. Hey, you're having a financial need. Does anyone have faith to pray for this need? That's an impartation, manifestation. It's the Holy Spirit manifests, moves, and then, Okay, life goes back to normal. Are you following that? A ministry gift is similar to a manifestation gift, but it begins to occur more and more and more in your life. Tell People say Philip's daughters were known as prophetesses. They prophesied on a regular basis. They weren't elders in the church, but they had a title of prophetess you might end up having a title of teacher. You might end up having a, am I, are you guys? So it, it would be like, not anything, it's not, it's not a title that is given by church um, structure. It's a title from God. You just begin to move over and over and, and people recognize, oh, you need, you need prayer for healing. You need to go to this person. They have an anointing. Have you ever met someone they just have an anointing to pray? Intercessors. So now, they might not. It's not like because you have a ministry gift. Anytime there you have a ministry gift, maybe of faith or, or healing or signs and wonders. It's not like anytime there's a need, you're going to move in the gift. I mean, it's still the will of the Holy Spirit. So you are, um, so maybe Mary has a gift of healing, but you know, Molly needs healing and it's Mickey Lana who gets that manifestation gift and she says, Molly, I have faith right now. I'm going to pray for you and you're going to be healed. So I'm sharing all that because the manifestation gifts and the ministry gifts, mostly, mostly operate, they operate when the church gathers, usually with at least deacons, some kind of leadership that's there because things need to be tested, words need to be tested, things like that. They, They operate in the context of the church gathering together. It might be several churches gathering together, it might be a life group, but that is that manifestation gift or those ministry gifts. The motivational gifts you will move in them throughout your life but you will feel the power of the holy spirit now how many of you you're talking i'm having a conversation with madeline and all of a sudden i just i feel the holy spirit as i'm talking how many of you have felt that okay that is what i'm talking about and that is the power of the holy spirit and it's not for us We have the Holy Spirit in us for us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for ministry. Okay, if you need more love in your heart, you don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to surrender and not quench the Holy Spirit that's in you. There's enough Holy Spirit in you to take care of you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for ministry. Okay. Very clear. Got it. Wow. And it is so late. Okay. I was going to talk about ministry that's unique to women, but I'm just going to, first Timothy five, write this down. I'm just going to talk about this really quick. God has anointed us to, and guys, I know this is going to shock you, but our, our bodies are created to have children there. I said it. We are uniquely created to give life and to nurture life. It is the essence of femininity. Whether we have natural children or only spiritual children, we are created to be different from men. It is a great honor to be a wife and a mother. And you don't just get married and naturally know how to love your husband and your children. That's why the Bible says, older women teach younger women. That doesn't mean the older women who got it wrong, but hopefully the older women <laughs> who at least learned along the way how to do it right. So we're learning to love our husbands and children. It doesn't come naturally. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Okay. Amen. But as women, we have seasons in our life where all we can manage is taking care of that baby and that husband and that home. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Okay. Okay. All of you are different. Some of you will have babies, and you will that season will will be a lot longer. Others of you will just pop right back, and you're right back into the groove. And you know, you're nursing and teaching, and you know, Kate, Kate, I can't believe you taught last week. I was so blown away, so blown away. That was so awesome. And so don't compare yourself to other people. Do your sphere well. From being a mom, being a wife, taking care of your home, the next step of ministry <coughs> is hospitality. You can look at this more in First Timothy 5. After that, it's washing the feet of the saints. After that, it's devoting ourselves to all kinds of good deeds. So it's first bringing people into your home, <coughs> So see how much of our ministry is in our home. Our home is a very important place as women. So then washing the feet of the saints, that's dealing with problems at that point. And then finally (coughs) devoting yourself to all kinds of good deeds. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. Think partner when you minister. Your partners can be your children they can be your spouse they can be a friend sometimes you can't have someone go with you where you're going but they can cover you in prayer like when i know lisa is going to do sidewalk counseling i always pray for her because i wish i was with her but i can't be but i'm covering her in prayer so she's going out with support guys that making sense Okay, so in ministry, we want to see our children and our husband as ministry. We want to see that my child doesn't even talk yet, but I'm caring for this child, and it's a good deed to the Lord, because that's what God calls that in 1 Timothy 5, a good deed homeschooling, we, helping our children with their homework, all of those things, we are ministering to our children. Don't ever let the devil trick you into thinking it is more godly to minister to someone two rows over in church than to minister to your children. Okay, So keep that in mind. If you are a teenager, or if you are a preteen, Martha Rose, or you are even younger, Mercy and Grace, your primary ministry is to your family, and you want to learn to love your family. And um, I'll be honest with you, my children as teenagers spoke into my life, and they confronted me about issues, and I hated it, and I was grateful for it at the same time. (laughs) Can I get an amen? Okay. (laughs) So your children, especially as teenagers, can be your closest friends. And um, there is so much that can happen. But when I'm looking for people to put in ministry, I always go to their family members first. And I say, hey, so how does May treat you, Mary? (laughs) so because I am looking I'll even you know and and we're being faithful in what God has called us to so for instance when someone wants to join the worship team I'll find out if they do their homework and if they get good grades why because I'm looking for people who are faithful in what God set before them because I don't want people who are going to be faithful over here and then neglect. Subduing the earth. Loving God. Do you understand? So, anyway, I think it's so exciting to belong to Jesus. And I think that we live in a day that is so evil that we run into people who have never heard the truth ever. Do you know when I was... I was going to say 20 years ago, but 20 years ago, I wasn't even very young. But when I was in college, I never met people who had never been to church. I never met a single person who had never been to church, unless they were Jewish. I meet people all the time who have never been to church. They don't even know what church is like. So we live in exciting, thrilling, hard, scary, wonderful times. We need the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to say, oh my goodness, if I ask for the Holy Spirit, that's it. I'm going to have to stand up in front of everyone and say, hey you! I know that your shoulder is longer than your ears, and I am going to pray. I don't know, I'm just making stuff up. But we're not. Like, God is going to let it be natural and let it be wonderful. And you are going to pray over people and you are going to speak words to people and God's going to give you prophetic words and God is going to use you because he loves you and he loves partnering with you to extend the gospel and he loves people and he has his sheep and he's searching for them. And then we get to partner with him to search for them. And those babies, when you do sidewalk counseling, those babies that he loves, that you are crying out for and trying to rescue. And these people, they're people that call themselves Christians who are not serving Jesus. And we have this privilege to call them to the word of God. So... We live in, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, (laughs) right? But with the Holy Spirit, it's awesome.